Good morning, everyone. And um, I took the weekend off, so I was able to unplug from emails and social media. So thanks for bearing with me. I uh, missed a couple of days of going live, but it was really interesting. I really wanted to speak today regarding CGMs and the pros and cons of whether you should wear them if you're an individual with diabetes or someone without diabetes. I think we understand inherently that understanding what your blood sugars are doing on a regular basis. If you're dealing with type one diabetes, type two diabetes, pre-diabetes, you know, um, gestational diabetes or type one and a half diabetes, I think we understand we want to see what your blood sugars are doing so we can better manage those. So I'm going to focus more primarily on should you wear a CGM if you do not have diabetes and why it can be helpful and sometimes why it's not? And I think it's really about the context of education and understanding what you're actually doing. And let me, I'll also share my experience of wearing one as someone who doesn't have diabetes, but I have a few notes here I wanted to share with you because I had this conversation a little bit with Rip Esselstyn when we had our live last Friday and then Rich Roll's recent, um, interview that I think came out either yesterday or today with a young man who has type one diabetes from Australia. And they spoke to a little bit of the CGM and their thoughts around it. So I'm going to come from an individual and also as a physician and why and how I think CGMs can be helpful in where they shouldn't be, shouldn't be used and could be diff more of a, a con I'll say. So again, we understand that CGMs are primarily made for diabetes those with diabetes to help manage the blood sugar levels, right? Um, but, you know, it, it has also been used recently for athletic performance, weight management, um, and just a variety of things. There's different companies that have, will prescribe or give you a glucose monitor with some, maybe an AI driven um, app to help you make different food choices with my understanding is to have a focus of that lowest blood sugar as possible at all times. I don't think that's a healthy approach. And I think it leaves people scared and confused and anxious over things that they shouldn't be. And, but it also might lead to early detection, but we'll get to that in a minute. But so for the pros, I think it's fairly um, evident that we'd have some nutritional insight, right? You can really see in real time how different foods and meals impact your blood glucose levels. Um, and this can maybe help you and make you inform dietary choices. So for me, for example, when I first wore um, a CGM, I was surprised at maybe how, you know, more processed foods, even if they're quote unquote healthy, like, you know, rolled oats versus steel cut oats, what happened in someone who's a doesn't deal with diabetes, maybe a 30 or 40 point difference in glucose response. So that makes a really, it was a really interesting note per se. Um, so maybe I would make a different choice. And again, it just, it's all in light of understanding what the fluctuations mean for you and not demonizing, especially plant foods that have glucose or carbohydrates, but really just understanding why and how that happens and making maybe different choices. Again, another one would be, um, and more recently I had just wanted to see what a vegan Cinnabon did. Of course we know there's going to be vegan butter probably and sugar in there, but I was curious as someone who, who's my A1C was 5.0 recently, has relatively excellent blood sugar levels, you know, control is nothing like concerning going on how high it would go. And I mean, it happened to the 191. And so I was really like, wow. So even on those occasional 
or I might want to have one. And there's not, there's nothing wrong with occasionally going out and doing that if you want to. Um, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't add to how I feel. It, there was no benefit to it, but if maybe someday I want a vegan birthday cake piece. If someone's celebrating, I can do that. But I also understand in the context of some other things, which I'll get to in a minute, stress and sleep, how that was also impacted timing of eating, what happens to blood sugars overnight. So, but for me, looking at that data, I see what that processed food would do. I probably will be less inclined to eat it, which in the long scheme of things is actually a healthier choice, right? Because I know I can eat a banana. It'll also go up, but I also know it's a banana. It's very healthy and it's okay for it to go up and back down, right? So, um, you know, I'm looking at making healthier food choices. So there's a balance here. Um, I can talk about that a, a little bit longer at length at some other time, but I just really want to show you that you obviously are going to have nutritional insight, um, the composition of foods, processed foods versus whole foods and different things that occur. Um, you can optimize your performance. So athletes use CDM, some glucose levels, especially during like endurance um, event or excuse me, events. A good example for myself, and I'm not by any means an elite athlete, far from it, but I am training for a half marathon. And I will tell you, having the CGM on has really benefited me in the sense because I'm, you know, doing my longer runs. I ran 10 miles yesterday, but last weekend, so the last three weekends, three weekends ago, I ran eight, felt pretty good. The next weekend I ran nine and I typically run in the morning on a fasted state. I'll drink some, you know, water, tea or something, but I don't really feel well because I get GI upset if I run too much having eaten something. But I knew as I was getting into longer distance, I'd probably need to start considering how to, you know, eat before a race, maybe even mid-race if I need to, because I'm a little bit slower. I'm working on getting faster. So my times, you know, I'm running at a longer period of time, you know, hour and 45 minutes, two hours. And now we're going to be getting into places that I probably need to have some type of nutrition on board other than fasting all night. And what was interesting was if you looked at my CGM data after running last weekend for nine out nine miles, excuse me, it was pretty good. And then it started tapering down as I hit into eight and nine miles. And then when I was done and I felt okay, but I didn't feel the greatest, my blood sugar was 64. And you can see this just trend down and just kind of settle down in that lower range. I was like, hmm, okay, so for yesterday or two days ago when I ran 10 miles, like I'm going to have half a banana, uh, you know, a good half hour before. I feel like that was a safe time and see how my run is different. So I'll be running a mile longer and see what my blood sugar does. And, you know, the banana is spiked a little bit and it came back down into the normal range. And then I started running and you'll see as you exercise the running, you know, blood sugars will make your running go, excuse me, the running will make your blood sugars come up a little bit. And I mean, it stayed nice. It stayed in the nice, I think it was 120s for the majority of my run, especially towards the end, because there's a lot of hills in this run. And um, I felt much better. I feel like I should have hydrated more. Um, but again, it was a really good experiment, one on how my GI system would be affected by certain foods, how my blood sugar is, and then keeps me from bonking. So if you've ever bonked in a run, that is not a good feeling. And the last thing I want to happen is because I didn't, you know, feed myself well, but I also know it's a balance between me and the GI system. Um, having dealt with that before on a marathon, not fun. So anyway, so there can be some, obviously some optimizing performance for elite athletes. And then 
recreational runners like myself and other people. So just some ideas there. I think weight management, it can also be helpful because it'll make some dietary adjustments, right? So some, I don't think in and of itself, you know, keeping lower blood sugars is going to cause you to lose weight. But what it will do is looking at certain foods and noting typically the, the more rich foods, right? These processed bagels and Cinnabons and, and different things, ice creams and sodas, you will see what's happening in real time to your blood sugars. And maybe that'll encourage someone to make different dietary choices into a healthier space, right? Some more fiber rich whole foods. And I've certainly seen that. I've seen patients make dramatic behavior changes and they actually stick, right? So as a physician who's going over this data with my patients on a regular basis, I share my screen because I can see their data 24 seven or, um, someone, you know, will tag me is like, Hey, I just ate this. Is this okay? I can go log on and we can, you know, converse via messaging or texting. It has dramatic impact on someone's ability to make different choices because it's their body. This is an objective response by their body in that time, dealing with whatever's been going on, stress, lack of sleep, activity, food choices, all those different things that person can understand in the context of that moment, what's going on and how different food choices can affect them. And the other beautiful thing about the CGM use there is that you can take notes. So I encourage patients to use the app and make notes of the foods they were eating, how much sleep, what was their exercise? What was their blood pressure? You know, what's going on in the context of the blood sugars as we're seeing these elevations and declines? Um, you know, of course, if there are medications, what medications they're taking. So again, this very, very important information, but we're discussing it, right? So there's this coming from a medical uh, perspective and educating my patients so they understand what's going on with their blood sugars in the context of the moment at that point in their lives. And so that was, a, that's very, very beneficial. Um, so, and this also gets to better understanding of the body's response, which I just basically said, but it really focuses on stress and sleep and exercise and other factors that might affect your glucose levels. So for me, which, you know, I've been a light sleeper for a long time, just to share with you my own experience coming from someone who doesn't have diabetes, um, I think I might've mentioned this on a previous slide was that I had watched a uh, movie about world war II late. And I'd been three hours since my last, it was a whole food plant-based meal. I went to sleep. My blood sugar was, you know, below a hundred. I didn't think much about it. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night from a pretty um, stressful dream about world war II. I tend to have a bit of an active imagination and I looked at my CGM data the next morning. And what was interesting is it climbed up to 120, which you'll see when you eat something. But I've never seen it on myself in a fasted state. And, and then it precipitously dropped. And um, that was the most bizarre thing. And for me, the only thing I could relate it to was the stress of watching this World War II movie. So... And it, and it obviously affected my sleep because I didn't, you know, I woke up and I was a little like, whoa, and I wear a whoop as well. And you can see your heart rate going up. And so it makes me, they make, you know, maybe I need to think about other things that I'm doing outside of the food that I'm intaking. What am I listening to? What am I focusing on? What am I, you know, feeding into my brain 
in the sense of entertainment, is it really worth my lack of sleep, which will affect my next day and yada, yada, yada. So again, this really woke me up to understanding what stress does, lack of sleep, because it woke me up. And yeah, so it's making me make more mindful choices for my long-term health because I'm always going to be thinking, do I really want to do this? I understand it affects, you know, not only my glucose, but my stress and my sleep. So anyway, so I think there's some very interesting things there. And of course, there's the potential for early detection of diabetes. So maybe someone didn't realize <clears throat> that they were pre-diabetic or insulin resistant. And then we see these blood sugar spikes. This is wonderful time. Early detection is fantastic. So we can make better choices and do some education regarding how certain food choices, lifestyle choices, and certain lifestyle interventions, a different prescription for your life in the sense of eating a whole food plant-based diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, community, all these things can affect your blood sugar levels. And if we get someone early, maybe we can have that nice behavioral change just because they're understanding what their body is going through. And Again, it just speaks to that feedback loop. So here are some of the cons. And, you know, I really want to be mindful of the cons as well and fully explain. And at the end of where I feel like it's a beneficial thing or not based on the person and in the context of where they're wearing it. So cons, it's cost. They can be very expensive. The Freestyle Libre, Libre excuse me, tends to be a little bit cheaper, um, but the Dexcom can be quite expensive. The Dexcom... Um, you know, and even in my diabetics, if they are non-insulin dependent, it's hard to get a CGM covered by insurance. So I have patients who um, maybe are on oral medications that might drop their blood sugars. They're still many times not covered. So that's the unfortunate piece there. Um, it can be over monitoring. Sometimes individuals get really anxious. So if you're severely anxious about it and people can just go bonkers about and just overwhelming. Like it's like check 30 times in less than five minutes. Right. What I do see if individuals who are with that and I'm working with them, reassurance is really important, but over time we see that behavior kind of drift off. Right. Um, and they're still wearing it, but just learning and the excitement and the novelty of it in the beginning is like anything, shiny new object syndrome. Um, but some people it really will feed into their anxiety. And that's where for me as a physician who's prescribing this, I feel very responsible to take the time to educate and answer all the questions or concerns and, you know, help them understand why it's important to look at the CGM data in the context of where they are in that moment. And if this is something to be concerned about or not. And so I think it's a wonderful opportunity for them to one, learn about their body, but also understand that they can make different choices to make them feel better. Maybe you could also see maybe the anxiety can cause, you know, maybe they had an argument or stress or panic attack. You might see blood sugar rise. That's a great opportunity to discuss what other hormones are doing in the body and what stress is doing to the body and what, you know, let's check your blood pressure, what's going on, all these different things. How's your sleep? You know, it's a conversation starter. So, but the overmarching can be an issue for someone who's anxiety ridden and maybe it wouldn't be a good choice for someone like that. Um, some people also have some skin irritation. Um, I'd say maybe the hundreds of patients that I've had on CGMs, less than 1%. Um, but it, it can be an irritation uh, issue if you, especially if you had some adhesive issues with like band-aids and such. 
There is also some, some concerns regarding accuracy. I feel like the freestyle tends to be less accurate than the Dexcom. So if I do have someone on insulin, and it also will depend on their insurance, I will try to get the Dexcom. It's a little bit more cumbersome because there's, com there's two components versus just one. And, um, but if someone's making insulin decisions, um, especially like my type one diabetics who it's like every meal, um, for example, type two, sometimes you just need a small amount of long acting insulin, or maybe just a smaller dose with your meals, because typically they're still producing insulin. Um, that actually might be an issue. So if I have someone who had an ab aberrant, aberrant, just the word, um, blood sugar, that's where the finger stick comes into play, right? So we got to remember the CGM is using interstitial fluid, so it's not as accurate as a blood. Um, there might be a little bit of a delay in some people. So again, uh, accuracy issues, especially if you're making insulin decisions, can be a concern. Or um, it could be, you know, showing lower than it actually is higher or higher or lower. So again, if I have someone who's a true diabetic, I will have make sure that they have a regular glucose monitor. Um, the other piece to that I would say on accuracy, but it's what you'll see is some trends. The trends are really important and the discussion and education around the trends are really helpful for people. But again, we'll look at that. Um, most of the time, for example, if you call the company, they'll say anywhere between a 20 and 30 point difference between your finger stick is to be expected. And um, the nice thing about the Freestyle Libre and the Dexcom, if you if it falls off early or something, they will send you a new one for free. Um, but again, accuracy can be an issue. Uh, and I think this is the biggest one is the potential for misinterpretation, right? So without you know the proper knowledge or guidance, um, users might misinterpret their data or make unnecessary dietary or lifestyle changes. For example, I had someone who had used a CGM from one of these companies and was already plant-based and was really stressed because she would see her blood sugars go higher than the quote unquote prescribed elevation that it should because she would eat a banana or she would eat a date or an orange or something that was more on the you know, higher glycemic uh, list. And she was really stressed out about it. And she was always trying, you know, she was getting to where she wasn't eating. She was making, you know, higher fat, lower carb choices. Um, and it was just really messing with her mind and life. And so she came to me and I couldn't tap into that data. So I re-prescribed her a new one. And we discussed what I was seeing. And I reassured her what was a normal response for someone. I was like, we cannot, you know, be looking at these and trying to keep these blood sugars as low as possible. That's one, not healthy. Um, and two, it's, you know, you're, you're taking context out of what's normal. It, you should see, you'll see blood sugars go upwards, like even in healthy food choices, let's say it's not even processed at all. You might see in the one sixties um, and it will go down into probably low sixties, right? All of these are, that's a normal, healthy range. Um, I think, you know, what was really interesting is looking at people when they eat, you know, like with intermittent fasting, what happens, or they eating one meal a day, the timing of the day, you know, does it disrupt their sleep? Um, so there can be some really interesting data points regarding when and how you eat, but in the context of just keeping it as low as possible, I don't think that's a good choice. Um, again, looking at the food, we know food's <laughs> are less healthy for us, such as 
a Cinnabon. Um, and, you know, seeing these one-offs, they're not going to, it's not harmful. It's going to be okay. But um, again, that's where having a discussion with a physician or someone who's educated and understanding the nuances of your blood sugars and taking notes in the context of using the TM, it's really important. Um, again, lots to discuss there. Um, and I think it also gives a false sense of security, right? So relying just on CGM data might give you a false sense of security if you're not looking at your overall health, right? So glucose is great. And I mean, it's a really interesting and important thing to measure, especially looking at the population and how many people have diabetes, prediabetes that are undiagnosed and where this could be very helpful in early detection and making different lifestyle choices which by the end of the day, everyone should be eating a whole food plant-based diet because um, that's where you see some remarkable things happening. So, but it can be, give you a false security and we should be looking at your overall health and everything that you're doing. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, just kind of getting back to, we can't overemphasize just one factor, just glucose. What is your blood pressure doing? What is your cholesterol? There's so many, many other things that we should be looking at outside of glucose. And that's where working with a, a lifestyle medicine physician who's trained in understanding the whole body, the whole person, right? So they come from, you know, allopathic training. So we understand medications and diseases and the pathology in the human body, but now we understand also where the really important prescription of lifestyle is vital for a long and healthy life and, you know, increasing the health span. So I hope that was helpful. I, you know, gave a few highlights of my own experience. And I just, you know, given the context of the conversation I had on RIPS Live and some concerns there people were having, and then listening, you know, and reading up on the rituals, I haven't listened to the whole podcast yet, but just reading up that, you know, there were some questions regarding should those who don't have diabetes be utilizing a CGM? And like I said, at the end of the day, I think it depends. But in should be prescribed by a physician and there should be follow-up regarding the data. So for me, um, I don't mind prescribing it to anyone, but that has to be in context with me discussing it with you and looking at that data. So, cause the last thing I'd ever want to do is cause harm from someone who's diving in deep into their data and not understanding it and just making some assumptions that are incorrect and then making different lifestyle choices based on that, which could actually long-term be harmful. Meaning, for example, someone's trying to keep a very low blood sugar and making more of a keto choice type diet. You know, they're going more towards high fat, uh, animal products, and low carb, and actually in the long run, making their insulin resistance much worse. So I hope that was helpful. Um, I will just say I will have my glucose mastermind open for one more day. I have a few spots left and we'll be open up another group probably next month or a month after that. But anyway, so if you are someone who has insulin resistance or some concerns about blood sugar or just want to learn, or if you're diabetic type one or two, I'm happy to have you join. And that's just go to drmarbus.com, click on glucose mastermind, but I will be closing that down by tomorrow because that's when we meet. <laughs> and so um, it's uh, meet twice a month for three months and Again, I hope this was helpful. If you would also like, you can sign up for my newsletter. I'm going to be sending this list out, I think, on my next newsletter, <clears throat> describing the value and pros and cons of uh, understanding 
the value of understanding the pros and cons of use of a CGM. Also, I just should want to mention uh, for the Healing Kitchen, which I do with Brittany Giroudi, uh, we have just launched our premium membership. So we have a base membership and a premium membership. The base is we meet weekly every Wednesday. Uh, Brittany cooks for us, sends out recipes um, for the first half hour, and then I answer all and any medical questions for the last half hour. And that is um, our basic. And then the premium, which Jonathan, my son, has been working really hard at getting everything set up, is um, the same. It's the base plus you have a community. Um, those who are already in the basic will automatically be grandfathered already. So you guys are good. Uh, we'll have expert weekly workshops, which this weekend, um, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, we have Vince Roundtree joining us. So please check that out if you go uh, to the Healing Kitchen or I think it's a, he's, we're doing it on weight control for him. But I think if you click up on uh, the website, it'll also have talks about the workshop, which you can buy independently if you don't want to become a, a member of the Healing Kitchen. And I'll also be doing a deep dive workshop every single month <clears throat> only for the Healing Kitchen community and um, creating an ebook based on the, the workshop. So you'll have that and have all the recordings at the back and you'll have all the recipes. And um, also when I bring on a guest to the podcast, I will let you guys know when you guys share with me what questions you like me to ask. And we'll have the public facing part of the podcast. And then we'll have the last few minutes of the in interview all about um, questions from the healing kitchen and only they will have access to those answers. So I think that's everything. It's a lot. So we're trying to provide a ton of value, really help people get educated on their health in a really warm and loving place. If you don't want to spend any money, check out the Dr. Marbus free uh, Facebook group. Um, I think we're closing in on 900 or so members. It's a great group. I'm in there a lot. I post a lot. I'll post this list I have here for you. Um, but yeah, so check it out guys. Again, lots of nuanced things around the CGM. I hope that was helpful, but have a wonderful blessed day and I will see you tomorrow.